Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to our new PR Week podcast episode with Arvind Hickman. Hello, I'm Arvind Hickman and welcome to the PR show. Today I'm joined by W Communications founder Warren Johnson to discuss some of the bigger picture issues taking place in the PR and media industries. Warren has strong views on how social media companies are currently behaving in relation to media relations and their ongoing regulatory battles around the world. His agency W has also just launched a new venture to help restaurants survive during COVID and is well placed to give us a rundown on how the new lockdown restrictions timeline set by Boris Johnson could impact the PR industry. Welcome back to the program, Warren. How are you going? Thanks, Arvind. Uh, yeah, great to be back. Looking forward to our chat. Fantastic. Now, uh, Warren and I have had many chats over the years about social media and what's currently going on. And he has some pretty strong views, including the situation in Australia and about big tech disbanding their PRTs and not, sorry, PR teams and not engaging with the media. Warren, would you like to elaborate on some of your key points? I would, although quite often these views are sometimes delivered after a glass of wine, are Ben. So hopefully they'll be a little bit less um, uh, libelous. But yes, I mean, there's been a bunch of stuff that's caught my eye recently, um, all of which providing, I guess, uh, some ongoing dim view of, um, of big tech. There was a story that ran last week in the Times about um, a general disengagement of, of big tech with, with editorial media. Um, disbanding their press office. In fact, it even said that um, Tesla had, had completely disbanded their press office and big techs were seemingly deciding that they don't like the scrutiny of, of a sort of free press um, and a lot of them cho choosing to, 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 to bypass engagement for fear mm. of not, not being held to account um, and publishing their own platforms directly. And I think if you add this to the fact that they're a, I guess, selling on editorial news themselves as per the, um, and not remunerating um, the content producers as per the sort of um, landmark case in Australia, added with the fact of um, 
them actually pulling out their own advertising budgets on other platforms over the course of the year. It, it, it certainly paints a picture of them somewhat bottom feeding. Uh, I think sort of taking as much out as possible um, and then really refusing to, to put anything back in. And then when you add that to their kind of tax regime as well, it paints a fairly consistent picture about their behaviour. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there, there's been a lot of conjecture about this in recent times. In terms of uh, them sort of disbanding their, their press offices, can you sort of share a few more details about what that Times article said and, and what you are aware of? Yeah, it was talking about um, the fact that, um, you know, there, there, there was a quote from um, in, a, in a Danny Forsman piece about them talking about, um, uh, <laughs> there's a quote here um, saying, um, you know what, it's not worth the trouble, we're out. The lack of fact checking, link baiting headlines and picking aside them. It sounds like they're describing themselves rather than, rather than editorial media. There's certainly the guys that um, Anderson Horowitz are, um, are looking to increasingly um, disconnect um, and, uh, and ironically decline to comment for this for this very piece. But mm. they're looking to start to create their own direct-to-consumer channels so that there's a less um, a less um, scrutiny and less being held to account. It's an interesting development, isn't it? I mean, they probably would argue that they are getting quite a tough time in the media of late in recent years, particularly um, companies like Facebook, which seem to be generating negative headlines um, on a regular basis. They would be right. Um, and, you know, there's there's been this sort of, um, you know, relentless sort of 15-year fanboyism um, of, of particularly a lot of US editorial media on, on everything Silicon Valley does. Um, which I think has sort of, you know, lulled them into a false sense of security. And it's great to see um, news media waking up and giving these guys a bit more of, a, you know, a, a, the same scrutiny that everyone else is under. And the fact that, you know, not everything they do is 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 perfect. Um, and I think that, you know, rather than them feeling victimized, they need to understand that they have to have a, a greater level of ethics, given their, you know, unprecedented power and scale. Um, it's great they're being held to account. And I think rather than them getting in a mood with editorial media, I think there's a bit of soul-searching that needs to be undertaken. It's, it's quite interesting as well, because while they may be sort of um, disassembling their press office, office function and, and not really engaging with the media, um, at the same time, they're sort of bulking up their lobbying efforts, aren't they? Especially with governments around the world that are looking to impose regulations. Massively, massively so. And certainly some of the coverage I read about the... Um, the Murdoch Facebook piece in um in, in, in Australia was, was was a sense that perhaps they would they were that they may well you know bow to pressure in the way that Google did just just really not not to pay news media properly but actually as a as an attempt to avoid any further regulation yeah I'd seen a piece you're right um Arvin that I think that, that their level of lobbying in in, in Brussels and, and Washington is is you know spectacular um in its scale showing that you know certainly um lobbying is, is very far from presenting a kind of balanced world view so it, it would indicate that there's very much a kind of you know a, a one-track mind in terms of rather than amending their behavior getting everyone to bend um, to see things their way rather than them making any changes. So I think the, the increase in lobbying shows an increasing lack of willingness to, um, you know, change how they behave. And what's really interesting about it as well is, is the fact that they, you know, when they were trying to sort of put on the charm offensive over the years um, with the media and, and that sort of backfired, um, uh, 
not sort of being transparent and accountable in in many ways it sort of goes against what they're trying to achieve isn't it we, we just try to win the hearts and minds of, of people yeah although they've they've kind of i mean i'm, I'm not certain they have won hearts and minds I, I think they've just they've sort of bought they've bought hearts and minds and it's now you know they've been so brilliant at what they've done in terms of infiltrating you know the world i mean certainly zuckerberg is the sort of you know presides over the biggest empire sort of in history with his sort of 2.6 billion users um and i think i'm not sure there's much love but i think what what a lot of big tech big tech and big tech have done is they've moved from being you know um brands businesses into you know monopolistic utilities so hearts and minds almost don't matter when you have your tentacles attaching to people's daily lives it, it's a really good point and, and I, I do want to ask you a bit about some of the regulation efforts that are happening around the world what's your take on what's happening in australia with, with the new media code and and asking these platforms to pay media companies more because there's sort of two sides to that argument isn't there i mean they're arguing that they shouldn't have to pay for publishers to um provide their links on on their platforms because publishers are benefiting from that but publishers are arguing that they're, they're also taking a large you know, slice of their pie, and that the value exchange hasn't been in their favour for many years now. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'll apologise in advance for not being super privy to, to the nuance of all of that. But I think on a on a on a bigger um, picture, they have the rise of digital has obviously decimated uh, news production, um, and and there's going to come a point where if they don't help fund any of those, even regardless of what the commercial and moral or um, legal case is, there'll come a point where if, if, if those news outlets are not funded in, in other ways, then their output will diminish even further. Um, so I think it's, you know, if, if, if in, in the same way that if we all feel that a, a free, vibrant, well-funded press is a good thing, which we all do, we, we've all got to pay for it in some way, shape or form as consumers. I think that you know businesses such as Facebook and Google have to take on that view as well. So even if they don't necessarily agree with it, I think it's you know having them funding journalism out of their you know spectacular coffers um, is 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 hardly ever going to be um, really an issue for them financially, and will only be a better thing for society. Okay, what's sort of the upshot for PR and comms? Is is it getting to the case where journalism is in such a perilous state, particularly in some countries where it's very concentrated, Australia being one of those, um, where you know they're going to look more towards digital channels and, and towards sort of owned media rather than earned media? Are you starting to see those sorts of shifts? Have they been happening for a while? I mean, I think you only need to look at the pagination of any of any papers you pick up these days to show that there's a massive, you know reduction i mean we we still represent a number of print print based businesses so i'm a huge believer of them i still have you know newspapers delivered to my doorstep every day and i think it's hugely important i just think i think the more, the funding model needs to change and i think increasingly brands through through the lens of earned and editorial media can look at alternative funding models to keep these um these these products alive i think from a PR industry, though, I think that um, there are huge growth opportunities above and beyond traditional editorial media. And as brands do seem to want to communicate directly to um, audiences via, via other platforms, um, I think the PR industry is well placed to work with, you know, some, some displaced journalists to create a kind of new hybrid model, which has the you know quality and integrity of editorial journalism, but allows brands to you know to communicate you know at scale and at length to their to their audiences in new and interesting ways.
I'm just curious to hear what clients think about this at the moment. Has there been sort of a, a bit of a push away from, from traditional media um, in some of the briefs that you're getting? Yes and no. Um, I mean, what, what's ironic, actually, is, is that whenever we talk to, 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 to big tech or Silicon Valley, the, the thing they value most is, is you know, full page articles and broadsheet newspapers in print. You know, so there's 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 still a huge kite mark of of credibility um, and authenticity that, that that comes from landing a really solid piece of coverage in a in a in a quality print title because it's just bloody difficult um, and there's not much pagination to go around. So when something runs, you know, it it, it really validates um, the client and their brand and whatever particular campaign or, or initiative it is. So um, that you know that's been the same since I started in. PR in the in the mid 90s um having said that though what we're starting to see though is you know um PR being bundled into multiple briefs so we're, we're seeing a lot more briefs which refer to as you know PR social and influencer um and and I think that that hybrid of those three things coming together being driven by by sort of earned media mentality is is a trend we're seeing on the rise Okay. Another question I actually wanted to ask you in terms of um, getting into newspapers and getting coverage. Uh, one of the things that um, people tell me, especially in the past year with COVID happening, is that it's now a lot more difficult. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST to get hold of journalists and it's a lot more difficult to earn me to get into earn media um, placements what's your sort of take on that have you noticed that as well totally totally i mean you know the fact is is that you know journalists have been furloughed as well they're working from home they're not in newsrooms um there is less pagination um and there's there's you know there's the there's covid which seems to dominate every page so it's it's you know, trying to get lighthearted stories away or feel-good stories, often the type of things that are a bit more brand-centric is, you know, there's fewer people writing about fewer things that are relevant for, for brands. So, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough. And I think that hopefully, I think we're all probably sick of reading about COVID. Um, it, it's strange as well because the more the media talk it up, the more their ad sales go down. So I think the, um, you know, one department needs to speak to the other department, maybe in a bit more detail. Um, but, I, you know, I think we're hoping I can see the sun shining outside. Boris has announced only another 100 days, whatever we're left of, 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 of you know, self-isolation. Um, so I think that as, as, the, as the restrictions lift, I'm hoping that they'll, we'll see greater opportunities, journalism bouncing back, um, a, a change in the, in the media narrative, um, and all of those. I think once we start opening up, once there are opportunities for consumers to do things, I think brands are going to play a tremendous role in that. 
Okay, that, that's, that's kind of a, a good point to segue into our next section, which sort of looks at um, Boris's announcement and the fact that there's you know another 100 days or so till things properly open up. What was your sort of reaction um, to that announcement? Uh, I mean, for, on a personal level, my heart sank. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just too long to be, I think it's going to kill the economy. Uh, I can't go out and be inspired by travel or culture or, you know, it's, it's a long time. It's a long, long time. Um, we, we are, you know, we have a lot of travel clients, we have a lot of hospitality clients, it, you know, it's going to kill them. I can't mm. see, you know, we were hoping that certainly in those two areas and certainly in the arts as well, that there might be some sort of opportunity to recover this year. And I'm, I can't see that happening now um, because they're going to, you know, uh, there's what, half a year of, of trading really by the time we all get back out with restrictions, plus God knows what else. So, you know, if we'd done all this last year, um, you know, we'd be, you know, at concerts and cricket matches like the Aussies now. So I feel like this has been dragged out and poorly managed. Um, I think the only thing that Boris has done well is is finally got around to, um, you know, under-promising and over-delivering. So I, I'd imagine that those are probably long dates and, and they might be opening up a bit sooner. Um, but it, it's, it's terrible for big chunks of business. Um, and certainly, you know, for, you know, a, a um, mental well-being, I think, is, you know, this has just gone on for a really long time. And I think that that's, that's a bigger issue than COVID now, frankly. Is that something that you're concerned about in, in terms of your own um, colleagues? Completely. You know, everything from, you know, my kids doing more and more homeschooling through to, um, you know, people being cooped up at home for months on end with very little daylight. I mean, it's it's really tough. And we're, you know, as a, as a manager of a business, it, it, it's, um, it's, just, it's an extra thing to have to manage, which as ever, there's no government support on. Um, which is, you know, forcing people to being locked home. There's no subsidies for, there's, there, there's no additional help that's being provided on that. So it's yet another thing that business have to manage. And it's tough, you know, we've got young kids in their, in their first jobs who are in, you know, cooped up in flat shares um, in the middle of the winter. It's really tough. It's really tough. And it's, it's, it's something that is, is paramount for us, which is how to keep motivating people and keeping them positive. So we're, we've adopted very much kind of like a, a, a light touch, little and often thing rather than a few grand gestures. We're trying to almost on a sort of daily basis, trying to find ways to you know, offer a bit of lightness in people's working days. Okay. So well, let's talk about some of the other impacts. You've mentioned that the sort of mental health and, and sort of the people management side of things. What are some of the other broader business impacts of this new timeline that you think um, could, could happen? Um, I guess to W, but also more broadly to other agencies. I think, I, if, I mean, for me, we, we had a really great six months. Our last six months have been really strong. Um, we've really seen a softening now. And I think... I think it's going to be a really tough three months for the industry. I think a lot of people are expecting budgets to recover in the next, you know, certainly at the start of Q2, and that's not going to happen. Um, I think a lot of businesses that were, you know, hanging on by a thread, still leveraging furlough a bit. Certainly there's been a number of well-reported and quite high-profile high businesses going under. I would expect to see another uh, smaller um, but still um, significant wave of, um, you know, businesses quietly closing up shop um, over the next few months, because I think it's just, 
it's tough. I think certainly anyone exposed to retail, hospitality, uh, travel um, are, are really, you know, heavily uh, are going to struggle to, you know, stay afloat. Mm. Uh, what, what about in terms of offices and, and, and rent? Is the government, do you know if the government is providing any sort of security or, or, or support? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> They didn't do anything like that to help. Um, no, I mean we've been paying full whack on our on our rent, you know, for the last you know thirteen months, or whatever, or um, twelve months of lockdown. And you know the landlords have dis- behaved despicably uh, across the board. Ours particularly are you know just dreadful. Won't won't move on anything. Um, we're the only people left in our building and they still won't give us any flex on rent. Um, I think there's a lot of people that have really profiteered from this um, and I think they're going to get their comeuppance. You just need to walk up and down Oxford Street and just see that the shop's boarded up, you know, on Oxford Circus itself. You know, the whole sort of top shop, top man corner is barricaded up because they're obviously fearful of looting and people aren't going to rush back to take up those spaces. So I think retail and, and offices are tough. I think there's, you know, there's going to be some more sophisticated much more agile, flexible office office space providers, that sort of office space 2.0, or so it's like co-working 2.0, which I think will be, will work in collaboration with. But I think, you know, the the traditional office model of that sort of adversarial relationship with landlords is 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 going to have to go over. Um, you know, having said that, I believe in the office. Um, we're actually looking at increasing our office space as we grow. Um, so we're expecting to move this summer. And you know, I think I really believe in human interaction. So, of course, we'll offer some sort of flex, but this, this, you know, we're not going to entertain the idea of, you know, significant amounts of time being spent at home. I don't think it's it's not good for creativity. It's not good for, for collaboration. It's certainly not good for mental health. Okay, if you mentioned that you've got plans to move in the summer, any ideas whereabouts you're you're looking? Yeah, just around the corner. I can't say where, but yeah, we'll we'll stay in W1. For us, it's really important. I think that as 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 restrictions lift um, and as as people sort of you know start to want to socialise together, I think a lot of big clients will be still prohibiting people from working. I think I think we're 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 expecting to be a bit a, a bit of a magnet for people to come in and collaborate, and I think we'll really will really benefit from that. I'm really thinking there's going to be a sort of two pronged um, industry where there'll there'll be a lot of people that that stay away, and I think that will work. But I think that. Will, will be much more of a lifestyle business. I'm just a really big believer in, in, in this industry, spending time together. And I think anyone that does that will allow their business to accelerate quickly out of this. Okay. While well, we're talking about business performance, um, our top 150 is coming up relatively soon. We're getting a stream of figures coming in. What, 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 you, what sort of expectations um, do you have for, for how the market has performed? What, 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 what are you expecting to see with that report this year? Good question. Um, we're, our numbers are up um, year on year, uh, which we're you know really proud of. A, a very you know a very mixed bag. I'd imagine some of the networks have really struggled. Um, I think some of the more I think people that are able to be agile have probably done well. I'd imagine some of the bigger independents um, would have probably performed very well. Um, there'll obviously be some some specialists that have done increasingly well. Those exposed to tech um i think i think it'll be a really really fascinating reading uh, be, be just to see who's up and who's down um and who's not there anymore is, is probably will be the big story okay a final question and i wanted to end this on a slightly positive note but this week you launched a new incubator to have a hospitality business 
example, CounterService. Yeah. Can you give a, a bit of a rundown on what CounterService is, why you've launched it, and why now? Um, great. Yes. Good question. Um, we it's effectively an agency within an agency. Um, we've always done restaurants ever since I, um, you know, invested and helped launch Meat Liquor in you know nearly ten years ago now. Um, and we've always had you know food culture at the heart of what we do. Um, I've got a lot of very 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 dear friends that have worked really hard to build really thriving uh, restaurant businesses, and I've seen a lot of them decimated. But they still a lot of the really good ones won't won't let go and they're still in the game and it's really a commitment to help grow help help you know our friends and family and people we don't know yet within hospitality relaunch at a time where cash flow is 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 really critical so we've done very well at that industry it's 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 our opportunity to give back so we're kind of kickstarting with a hundred thousand pounds worth of free free hours, whether that's direct publicity time or or, or or mentoring from me, and then that will segue into a standalone um, agency um, that's really dedicated to service the new post-COVID needs of the hospitality business. We've already got some clients to sit within there who have strangely performed quite well during lockdown. People like Peter Pilgrims who evolved their entire business model um, uh, and, and we've PR'd them all, all the way through. So we're expecting to have some, old, some of our old restaurant clients to sit in there and also some of the new ones coming in, but we're not looking to take any money for the next few months because it's really important for us both professionally but also personally to get to get UK hospitality back on its feet. You know, we want to be out in pubs and restaurants and bars having fun and we want it to make it as easy as possible for those guys to reopen successfully. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Warren. It's always a pleasure. Likewise, Arvin. Lots and lots of fun. Hopefully, we'll um, we'll get to see each other in uh, in real life soon. We will. And thank you all for listening. I'd also like to thank our production partners, Marketeers, for helping produce the PR show. If you found this podcast interesting, please do visit our website, prweek.com forward slash UK and support our journalism. Until next time, I'm Arvid Hickman. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the PR Show podcast with Arvin Hickman. Brought to you by PR Week. If you like what you heard, please leave us a nice review. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.